Welcome to the Speakeasy Noir Cast, a podcast discussing film noirs of yesterday and neo noirs of today. Each week, we're going to deliver a discussion of our analysis of classic noir films, and occasionally we'll interview up and coming directors and writers of new neo noir films, all mixed in with our unintelligible banter. Your hosts for the show, Jason D. Morris and Carly Street. Oh. Already ahead of you. Oh, no. <laughs> now, now I've got editing to do. Oh dear, gonna have to earn your money. <laughs> no. <laughs> when I say money, I mean air. <laughs> <clears throat> All right, Carly, how you been doing? Diddling okay. Yeah, is uh, is uh, Europe opened up uh, for business now? Are you guys all done and come out of your caves? Oh yeah, every everywhere is apparently open tomorrow. Tomorrow is like tomorrow's the day. Tomorrow huh? is the day where everywhere is open again. All right, what are you going to do first? Um, I mean, I'm going to be at work, so <laughs> I can't go anywhere to shop. But hey, that figures. <laughs> you can shop at work. Yeah, it's all good. It's all good. I've been bargain booze. I've stocked up, so I'm okay. All right. We went to uh, the drive-in theater the other night, and that was pretty fun. Oh, are they open? Yeah, they're opening with some... I guess that's a perfect place to be open. Yeah, well, I mean, there, there's still some social distancing rules, like cars have to be 10 feet apart, and, uh, you know, you got to wear a mask outside your car and that kind of thing if, you know, you're, you brought lawn chairs or something like that. But, yeah, it was cool. We went and saw... Uh, the first Indiana Jones movie and uh, the third one. Why did you bring a lawn chair to a drive-in theater? I thought you were meant to be in your car. Uh, well, there's six of us that went. So we brought two cars and sometimes it's just more comfortable than sitting in the seat the whole time. Uh, to bring like a com- comfortable chair and sit outside. And... Are you just rebels? No. I I'm no, going to co- sit in a chair at your <laughs> drive-in theater. I'm going to sit on my deck chair. No, it's pretty common. You know, people <laughs> in the back seat can't see as well. So, you you know, you bring chairs and... See, we don't really have them, so I don't know. I'd love to go to a drive-in. No, you don't have them. No, not really. Maybe in like the big cities they have them, but I mean, I'm in a poor city, so, you know, no. That's sad. All right. Yeah, they're pretty fun. I mean, it's not like the ultimate viewing experience because, you know, the screens usually suck and the sound's terrible, but it's fun, like, community-wise. Well, I always see it on films. People go to a drive-in theater and it just looks fun. Yeah, it is. It's like tailgating, I guess, <clears throat> when you bring the, the lawn chairs, but whatever. It's fun. It's it's neat. But they're slowly reopening things as the uh, cases rise. We're, we're opening the world back up, and that's awesome. I guess, oh, yeah. uh, guess, guess we will see what Planet of the Apes is like after all. Maybe. I mean, I've got my yeah. seat ready, so get a horse. <laughs> Going to the beach? <laughs> Maybe. Well, there's no near me, so I'll just have to do it in the street. <laughs> <laughs> but Lily came back. Yeah, which is amazing. Yay. So she's been at her grandmother's or her grandparents' house for what has it been like a month, two months, something two like months. that? Yeah. Two months. Jeez, that's hard. Yeah. Um yeah. I was really excited that she came back yesterday. And then about ten minutes into it, we really were like eh. Wish she went back. <laughs> well, she she attacked her dad with some clay face mask, which I still think he's recovering about. Um, half his beard came off in that and she nice. put, she put some face mask on me it was just like dripping water she might as well have just put my head under water I don't know what that was about I sent you the message I just look like some sort of wrestler I don't understand we were supposed to look like sharks but yeah no I definitely look like Lucha Libre <laughs> yeah I don't know maybe you post that on the page I don't know I don't know if I was a shark a wrestler I've got no idea what's going on <laughs> I mean, I've had yeah, to watch the Avengers funny. for two days, so. Uh, like the same Avengers movie over and over again, or were you going through the series? Oh, God, no, all of them. Oh, yeah. good luck. Yep. Well, I guess it's already happened. It's but gone. Yeah, I've only, 
<laughs> I think I've only seen the first two and then I was out. That was good enough for me. But, uh, well, cool. I mean, it's glad that, you know, that she's back and things are sort of getting back to normal for you guys. Yeah, that was nice. <clears throat> yeah. Um, and, you know, speaking of all that stuff, our, our movie tonight kind of uh, had a uh, sort of quarantine feel to it, which I thought was pretty interesting because they're all trapped inside of a hospital of sorts. Um so I thought that was pretty cool. Kind of was aching to what's going on in the world, I guess, in a way. How did you find um, this? I'm very intrigued about uh, this selection from you. Green for Danger? I, I can't remember, honestly. Uh, um, oh, well, that's I, helpful. I just came across it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, well, I, I look at a lot of lists and I look at a lot of, uh, you know, uh, community pages for Film Noir and things like that and just try to pick up things that I haven't seen before or haven't heard of. Um, and this, I, I was on, was somewhere on one of those lists or, or groups, somebody posted about it. Um, and I just, I figured, well, it's, you know, I was looking, there was a point I was actively looking for British films. Um, so this, you know, obviously it was one of those. Um, but, uh, yeah. And I think actually, I also have the perfect drink for this film tonight too. Oh. And you might like oh. it because it has some stuff in it that oh. you like. Alcohol. <laughs> and it's not in a high. Yeah. <laughs> no soda. No soda. Yay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, let's get into that. Um, tonight's drink is called the Dark and Stormy. Uh, and this is also a uh, British drink. So this was made by you guys over there. Uh, it comes out of Bermuda, Europe, which I guess, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it was invented in, during World War II by the Gosling brothers. Um, and this drink, uh, the Dark and Stormy, is made with a combination of dark rum and ginger beer. Um, it's traditionally prepared by pouring the ingredients over ice in a highball glass and garnish with the lime wedge. All right, and it's a, it's it's not a super strong drink because it's really just a dark rum. It's basically two ounces, two shots of dark rum and three to four ounces of ginger beer and a lime wedge. Um, so that'd be interesting because I don't think I've ever had rum by itself with a mixer. Ooh. Just uh, just sort of mixed up in a bunch of other alcohols. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess for the sweetness or whatever, but um, yeah, this is one I'm excited to check out. Ooh, I've had I've You're had, a dark rum yeah, fan. I've had you? rum and ginger beer before. Oh my god. Oh, okay. It's amazing. Well, was it dark rum? Yeah, it was. Yeah. Okay, cool. So you had a dark and stormy already. Well, you know, been there, done that, got the t shirt. And the vomit. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Oh. <laughs> More likely than not. <laughs> there used to be a bottle that we used to sell called Ginger Joe. And I loved it because it had uh. a mustache. A ginger mustache on it. And you used to have that with like two shots of rum. And it was amazing. That's hilarious. Ginger Joe and it had a, a red mustache. Yeah, it was great. The bottle just looked, yeah. you know, when just a bottle's just eye catching, you think, I want that. I don't care what yeah. that is. I need some of that. Yeah, we yeah. just bought a box of wine and I I picked all of them just based on the bottles. Yeah. It's the best way to go. My mum swears by it. Yeah, I know nothing about wine you know so it's just kind of shot in the dark yeah. <laughs> you hope it tastes good because the bottle's cool <laughs> oh and then uh, afterwards funny. you can put a candle in the bottle and then it looks like a nice little feature well that's true yeah. Yeah, it'll be worth trying little tip for everybody get a little, yeah get a little gothic at the house yeah. <laughs> all right well <laughs> we hope you guys uh you know have the stuff to make it dark and stormy tonight and uh, turn the lights down low and uh, turn your radios up and drink along with us, all right? So tonight's film uh, is called Green for Danger and it's a 1946 British film. And here is the trailer. 
I wish the man would come and get it over. He's conducting a war of nerves, that's what it is. When I think of her lying there like that, and only a few minutes before she was alive... That's and... enough, Freddie. Why the devil is he only after five of us here? That's what I want to know. Because you're the only people who seem to have been concerned with both murders. Simple when you think of it, isn't it? This is Inspector Cockrell. Mr. Eden, Dr. Barnes, Nurse Woods, Sanson, Lindley. Right. Inspector, you said both murders. Mm, Sister Bates and what's his name, Higgins. Who said Higgins was murdered? Well, Sister Bates herself for one, last night. I understood you were there, Dr. Barnes. Yes, but I didn't realize that she knew. What about the Higgins postmortem? Completely negative. But why should anyone want to murder Higgins? My dear young lady, how should I know? I've only just got here. But I understand from Dr. White that all of you were present when he died. Not Except ready. Nurse Lindley. <laughs> Interesting cross count. I beg your pardon. Except Nurse Lindley. Who was, however, on duty in Higgins' ward the whole of the night before. Yes, so I was. And all of you were at a party. So there you are. Are you implying that one of us did it? It seems very likely. Don't you think? Inspector Cockrell, I really can't help feeling that there must be some relatively innocent explanation of this terrible... Why, please don't be fatuous. Really? We are dealing with two premeditated murders. Can anyone tell me anything they think I ought to know? If so, now is the time. That was the trailer for Green for Danger, a 1946 British thriller film, uh, and it was based on a 1944 novel uh, of the same name by Christiana Brand. Christ Christiana? Oh God, here we Shit. go! Stop it! <laughs> Christiana. Is there is is there like a Google? Uh, um, Google translate tra permanently. Translate for <laughs> for pronunciation. Oh Lord. <laughs> Christiana, I think, is what it is. Christiana uh, Brand. Uh, the film was directed by Sydney Gillett. Gillett. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> every every fucking word. Uh, and stars Alistair Slim. Sim, not Slim. Sim, oh sorry. <laughs> Sim, <laughs> sorry, I was I was blinking when I was reading. <laughs> I was I was blinking as I was reading that. I added an L. <laughs> he is very slim too. Slim, but I mean that's not his name. No, and he's fantastic in this movie too. I think he's fantastic I think he's in general. Have you ever seen anything else he's been in? I haven't so far. Oh. No, this is my first. As far as I know, this is my first entry to Alistair Slim. Alistair Slim is <laughs> a legend. He's brilliant. Like Trinians, millionaires. Oh, he's fantastic. Yeah, I don't know what any of that is, but I'm sure I will, will find out soon. All right. Uh, Trevor Howard and Sally Gray and Rosamund John. Um, I thought it was kind of neat to find out that this was shot at Pinewood Studios in England, which is a staple for filmmaking. Um, you know, and this is going back, you know, Classic to the forties. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, I was a little surprised that the whole thing is, you know, shot in Pinewood studios. So a lot of it looks like, you know, locational, but, uh, I guess well, they built very all good that at stuff. Pinewood studios. Like, um, that's why you pay the money. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there's so much stuff that's shot there. It's, also, it's Pinewood, if you place. want to let us shoot that, um, just, that was just a gentle plug. <laughs> <laughs> um and the title of this movie is actually a spoiler i found that to the end too. yeah yeah and i was I, I i actually well we'll get into that later why don't you give us your famous in a nutshell synopsis of this film before okay. we go any further I am. I'm so ready. Terminators and what <laughs> oh, else you got going on excitement. here? This is slightly. Oh no! I'm You're disappointing people already. Professional and actually give an accurate, you know, an accurate synopsis for a change. I, I think. I think that's the wrong direction to go here. I think we're going to have some hate mail this time. Okay. 
when a spurned nurse threatens to drunkenly expose a killer on the ward, is suddenly found murdered, Monk's long-lost grandfather rocks up to solve the mystery by facilitating even more murders. Whoa, wait a minute. What's this long-lost grandfather thing? Monk's long-lost grandfather. Who's Monk? Hey, what do you mean who's Monk? You said Monk's lost, yeah, long-lost? the TV series that you love so much. Oh, my God. Okay, oh, I'm like... If you didn't get that reference, my God, man. I thought I... I th- <laughs> <laughs> no, I I was I was concerned with the plot thinking, did I miss something in the plot? Who's grand? He was did somebody's you miss a monastery? Was there some monks around? <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, I was like, yeah, I thought I missed like some plot point here that he's related to somebody. <laughs> did, did I sucker you in by like pretending I was being professional? And then you were like, oh shit, she is. <laughs> yeah, it made me have to pay attention. <laughs> Loser. <laughs> <laughs> yes, again, fairly accurate. Um, Thank you. Synopsis there. Thank you. Yep. Um, I didn't know what I was getting into uh, when I started this movie. I thought it had kind of a silly name um, starting it. Um, but right off the bat, as soon as it started, I really loved the lighting. I liked the lighting. The cinematography was pretty good. The sets were interesting. Um, and I like how they started it off. You had this cool little full circle of these doctors and nurses and somebody telling us some of them are going to die and one of them's a murderer kind of thing. It was a, it was a great Agatha Christie kind of setup. It was, it was very much an Agatha Christie style setup. And I really liked the fact that, um, it was like a whodunit, but who will do it again? Mm-hmm. Because right from the get-go, as soon as he yes. comes in, as soon as the detective comes in, he's like, we're going to figure out who's done it. But by the way, the person that's done it is probably going to do it again. So just FYI, you might die. And I thought that was brilliant because right. I, I, can't, <laughs> I might be blazing it from my memory, but I was racking my brains trying to think of another kind of film setup where you weren't just finding who done it. Like the fact that the killer was still in this small group of people, the killer was kind of still at large. It's not something, even though it's made to be quite familiar, generally, generally it isn't something that's massively used. True. Especially being told that like a lot of movies, yeah, it will happen. Like the killer will strike again. Yeah. They'll keep that quiet. Right. But from right in the get-go, you're sort of told, right, well, we need to find out who's done it. And also, by the way, another one's going to get killed. Right. And it was just so, oh, right, okay. And I think that was kind of the brilliance of Alistair Sims' character. Uh, he, there, There's this... Oh, my God, when he was spinning around on that chair, dead please himself. That, that was, was so good, yeah. I, <laughs> I love that. Oh, my but God, I, I love it. Because that's what I'd be like if I was, like, a really clever detective, if I was, like, Sherlock Holmes, like, ah, I solved it, no worries. I would spin around on a chair messing about, like, up oh, yours. <laughs> I solved it. <laughs> I thought that was great. <laughs> yeah, true. No, and that that was, I I think that was uh, him setting that up and, and telling them that the killer's probably going to kill one of you. Is is part of that act. I I, I ache in this more to um, Columbo than I do Monk because yeah. he's playing games. He's playing as yeah. many games as the killer is, and and he doesn't initially care that somebody else might get hurt as long as he finds the killer. It's only after the fact that he goes, "Oh shit, might have done that a bit wrong." Right, and I almost felt like he should have been more worried about himself getting murdered because that would have been who I would have went after. If I was a murderer straight away, would have gone for him when he was sleeping in that bed. Oh, I've read me book, I'm going to bed. Right. You're getting cyanide, love, is what's happening. <laughs> right. Just saying. Because he he do, he very much plays the sort of dumb, but he's super smart sort. He's, he's like the combination of Columbo and Sherlock, like yeah, kind of slammed together. Quirky. Yeah. Um, and that was that's really what kept the movie going for me because I mean the murder mystery is fine it was good like it was interesting and it got me like I couldn't figure it out like until the one scene that did its undoing is you know spoiler alert for everybody if you haven't seen this but with the uh, when they starts asking about the oxygen tanks 
Um, and that was really early on in the film and it just automatically clicked. Oh, somebody switched the tanks. I didn't know how they oh, switched it. So I didn't that's know. That's interesting because I didn't get that. Yeah, that's that's what I figured right off the bat. I didn't know who did it, but it very early on, I, you know, figured out how they did it. But I didn't oh. get was the stab wound hole and the paint smear and you know, when they switched it and who switched, like there's so many other things I didn't get it. I only had one tiny piece of the puzzle and everything else was new to me when it happened. So I really thought that they did a, for being a movie made in 1946, it really kept me guessing and I didn't, I didn't get it. Like my wife. I thought it was that nurse woods for ages. Yeah, no, I, I, I guessed everybody at some point, you know, and my wife, I think was probably, she, she's really good at guessing stuff like that. And she'll say it like a few minutes before something happens and it happens. I'm like, God damn it. (laughs) Um, and so she, I think she guessed like the, the tank and everything before I even did. Um, but yeah, I guess through, throughout it, I was guessing different people. I thought it was, um, the, uh, I, I thought it was the killer that actually ended up being the killer first. Um, but then that was the last time I ever thought it was them. <laughs> I was very suspicious of Dr. Eden throughout the whole thing. Oh, sure. Me too. And you know, the, the reason why he, he's the, um, the fiance, right? Eden? Mm-hmm. No, he's the other guy. No, the, he's the one that's trying to the love interest. the fiance okay, the from fi- Tra- Trevor Howard. Okay. The, the, um, okay. So there's two main the guys. The scoundrel. Yeah. Okay. So, so the, the, you know, the ladies, man, that's who you're talking Mm -hmm. about. Okay. The other guy is the one that I thought it was for a little while too, because the, the look and the stature of him when, when uh, the sister was killed, um, looked like him, you know, just, just when the door swings open, the lightning flashes on him, I thought that was him. Um, obviously it wasn't, but, um, I carried that for a long time. (laughs) I do think this might win the award for most ridiculous fight ever. <laughs> between between him and Dr. Eden. I mean, that, and I love the fact that Alice Sim just grabs a chair and sits down like, you're both a pair of pricks. Crap up. I love that so, so much. fucking hilarious. I know. I stopped and rewound it and watched it again yeah. because it was so funny. It's like... It was almost <laughs> like, you know, when you see them caricatures of British people, Br- British posh people are like, let's have a duel. And they're just moving the fists around a lot and not doing anything. It was <laughs> like that. Oh, it was worse than that because there weren't really too many fists flying. It was more like, eh. Yeah. Oh, eh. Eh. It's like handbags at the ready. Eh, eh. And then they're both on the floor and he's going, you two are a little bit ridiculous, aren't you? And then you still carry on. <laughs> yeah, that I know I, it was so funny. I mean, it was so well done. Because you expected that to be like a, a big brawl, but man, they were just, uh, they're not made to fight. No, they were politely pushing each other for, right. for a long time. Yeah. And I love the fact that uh, he had said earlier, you know, like maybe a couple scenes before that about smashing the grandfather clock over his head. And, and when they're fighting, then the grandfather clock falls. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was fucking hilarious. It was yeah, so good. That wins. That wins. We need awards. That wins. Most ridiculous fight ever. Yeah, that's not a bad, bad idea. We should we should probably do that. Best line. Best line of the season. Best fight of the season. <laughs> best drink of the season. <laughs> yeah. Best character of the season. Yeah. Noir awards. N- Noari awards. I don't know. Give us a name. <laughs> yeah, you can't name things. No. Because <laughs> if I do, I won't be a pronounced it, you know, an hour later. yeah, I thought that was uh that was a fun little fight there. Um when we got to a little a little ways after with the whole um, gas leak thing. Um, that one really got me because I was like, we were sitting here thinking like, well, who the hell was in there last? Well, that person went upstairs. That other person went upstairs. That person stayed behind. That guy was outside across the, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. it was really like, oh. It was very interesting because everybody always had a motive. Everybody always had opportunity. It wasn't like... Mm-hmm. Normally with a whodunit, one person singled out and then something else happens and somebody else is singled out. 
what I liked with this was that no matter what happened, they all had opportunity and they all still had motive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Every single, yeah. every single time that something happens, they did. And they, that was very well plotted. And even, even the actual, the whole radio thing and the recognize, I recognize her voice. I don't know where all that stuff. It's like, it's really there early on in the movie to, to be able to pick up on it. If you're as smart as, you know, Alistair Sim, <laughs> uh, you might get it because it's all there. And you go back, if you rewatch it, it's, it's very easy to like untangle everything. Um, and it just, it, it just created a, a really great plotting for the film. Um, it just, yeah, it was just, it was so fun. It was like watching a newer detective movie. It didn't feel like it was a, a 1946 film. No, to me at I, was, all. I was quite surprised actually, because I'll be honest, when I first started watching it, I thought, oh, God, here we go. Because there's an awful lot of characters set up, which you don't normally get with film noir. Mm -hmm. You normally get the characters right. and then they unravel as you go. With this one, it was the opposite way around. So you've got all the characters set up, you've got yeah. everything like that, and then the mystery unraveled. And I thought, oh, I don't know if I'm going to like this. But actually, the characters were so interesting. Well, see, I, I, that's what made it feel... This one made it feel more Agatha Christie to me. Mm. It was very drama, you know, heavy on the front and like setting all this stuff up and the love interest. Yeah, there was so much going on. Yeah. And and so and, and it did it in such a way where it's like, you know, you're watching a murder mystery. Film. You know, you're watching a noir. Right. So, you know, something bad is going to happen. So that whole time where they're doing the drama thing, you're just waiting you know, because it's going to happen. And you don't know which character it's going to happen to, which was also a really good surprise because you genuinely don't know which one's going to bite the bullet. Well, yeah. And, and even further than that, the person that dies in the beginning, you don't even know that they've been murdered necessarily. You don't even know that something bad has happened. It's just a guy going in for surgery. Oh, that poor little postman trying to get his bike up the hill. I felt sorry for him. I was out of breath watching him. My God. <laughs> oh, he started off on a normal day and he was getting his bike up the hill. I thought, flipping heck, somebody needs to get a wrench on that and help him. <laughs> he was wobbling left and right. I thought he was a bit drunk, but, you know, it's like me on a bicycle. Yeah, no, I, I noticed that too. I thought that was hilarious. I'm like, man, this what? get off the bike and walk it up. Yeah, that's a big hill. Get off the bike, love. <laughs> it's no wonder the plane up, ran you, really. Yeah. And I didn't know anything about the uh v1 flying bombs mm -hmm. did you did you look that up at all vaguely okay so yeah I, I i recall like maybe briefly hearing about this stuff in like you know school um but when i was watching the movie i'm like wondering like what because it's very um methodical the way that they do mm -hmm. the attacks okay obviously we know this the time period that this is world war ii and all that um and this is probably some sort of uh hospital military camp or something along those lines you know because they're they all live there they work there and live there kind of thing i don't know what the deal or dynamic with that it really is but it was not necessarily a normal kind of thing um so having to work and live together and all that kind of stuff and then uh hearing these flyovers yeah. and then silence and it was so interesting. So I'm like, okay, so normally in these movies, you hear like the, you know, kind of thing. Um, but these were very particular uh, types of aircraft and bombs. And they were bombs that were built to be self-piloted planes. And they would fly over these areas and then they would just basically fly into their target. They were the first guided missile uh, or cruise missiles that were invented or, or used um and i found that super interesting because i don't think i've ever seen something like that in an older film like this where they've used that as such like a i wouldn't necessarily say it's a plot point but it really kind of is because it's it's such I think a they, it, it depicts the terror more doesn't it like you hear it you know it's there then you hear the silence yeah and you think, is it gonna be me like is it here 
where's it dropping kind of thing. Yeah, and it's like all this murder. It's almost like throwing a grenade after you've taken the pin out and just thrown it and thinking, well, where's it going to land? No, absolutely, yeah. But, you know, not knowing who threw it it and where it's anything like that. And not being able to tell the distance of where it is. Right. And, and and all the murder and mayhem and drama that's going on down on the, you know, down inside the, the hospital and whatnot. Everybody's kind of like, well, at any second we might get yeah. blown up just like the postman. Like I had no idea that was going to happen. Like he walks in, hangs with a bag and then boom, me and my wife yeah. are both like, oh shit. <laughs> like it, they just got blown up. Like Cause he makes a casual joke about it as well. It's like, oh, he was trying to race me here and then boom. Yeah. yeah. And he, he beat it. <laughs> I guess, well, but, I mean, I don't think he did, to be honest with you. Well, he he won the race. I mean, probably not. <laughs> he got there first. He got there first. That's all I'm saying. I mean, I don't know if he won. I think saying he won was probably not. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, he won first yeah. and he lost. How about that? <laughs> um, actually, no, he's still because he was alive. He was murdered. He didn't. He survived well, yeah. it. Yeah. He did survive the bomb, to be fair. Simple operation. He would have been fine. Supposedly. There you go. Style. So, ha ha ha, he beat the bomb. I mean, a lot of a lot of earth and brick did drop on him, but... Admit it, you're wrong. Just admit it. I just want to hear it just I once. I mean, no. <laughs> no. <Not laughs> I mean, mean no. <laughs> so, hey, Carla, let's take a break real quick and talk to our listeners about our sponsors. All right, guys, we're back and we're going to keep talking about this film. No, but that did surprise the hell out of me when that happened. I was just like, whoa, because it was such a shock right there at the beginning. Um, It kind of sets the tone of like what you're in for. And then every time, uh, what's his name? What's what's uh, Alistair's character's name? What's his name? Um, Oh, let me have Um, a Detective something. I just I just keep (laughs) saying all my notes like Alistair Sim because I love him so much. Uh, Inspector Cockrell. Cockrell. So Inspector Cockrell like really carries that sort of uh, drama of that first bomb impact really well throughout this, because every time he hears it, he's like he he gets nervous and frantic and starts fumbling and falling over stuff, trying to. Oh, I love the final scene when he like throws himself against a wall and realizes it's just a motorbike. Yeah. (laughs) But to be fair, that's that's probably the most accurate depiction of like the terror, because if you heard anything that sounded familiar, you'd be like, crap. You know, you'd be diving under him. Yeah, all those moments are great. Yeah, I think it's mm. the modern day version of like backfire of a car and thinking it's a gun, you know. Yeah. It's it's PTSD. Uh, you know, another another war film that's sort of depicting and probably not even realizing it's depicting PTSD because it wasn't, you know, classified until like, what well, I don't know. 80s maybe or i can't remember when that became a thing it's just a series of kind of familiar stories that they've yeah depicted and so so they were really on the forefront of like there's something happening to people you know when it comes to war and looking back on it now it's very prominent it's very prevalent uh you know that it's so sad that it took so long for that to be understood uh, in the real world, but uh, yeah, it's it's very obvious watching all these older films. How um, yeah, there is a lot of recurring things, mm-hmm, isn't yeah. there? Really, with the wall. Yep, sure is. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I think that um, uh, every time that he he hears something and tries to dodge it, it's those it it, it creates a sort of comedic uh, um, moments in the film, and for some reason. People say this is a noir comedy mystery, but I don't consider this a comedy. Like those are the only moments that I feel yeah, are comedic. I think, I think they're using his character as like, oh, his character's a bit kooky, his character's a bit comedic. Mm-hmm. When actual in actual fact, um, his character's probably like that because of the war. So when you think about it, it's actually not funny. Yeah. It's not comedic. Yeah, and I didn't it's take just it that way. It's a byproduct of surviving. Right. You know, and these little things that he's picked up. Um, which is, yeah, it's kind of sad, really, when you think about it in the, in the big picture. Yeah, and no, I totally agree with that. I think that um, it, it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, so the the in, those individual moments are comical and funny, but if you stop to think about it, it's really not funny. <laughs> and yeah. I never really felt like this would be classified as a comedy, so that sort of surprised me. 
Um, you know, like a murder mystery, sure. Uh, a war murder well, mystery. You I know, totally if get one British person laughs, it's a comedy. So we have a comedy. <laughs> That's all we're known for. British comedies and crime dramas. So British people are They're like, oh, we'll, we'll claim that. We'll claim that as a comedy. We'll claim it as a crime drama. British people are, are pretty cynical, I suppose, huh? Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know what <laughs> Exactly, that's what Hello. I'm saying <laughs> Cynicism <laughs> runs deep <laughs> Hello, I mean, I like to call it sarcasm But if you want to call it cynicism, then whatever <laughs> Well, it's it's sarcasm by way of cynicism <laughs> I mean, just being hilarious is, is what we could classify my issue as but, you know. <laughs> Okay I mean, you're laughing right now. Yes, so. and why I always laugh at you. <laughs> you laugh with me, not uh, It's debatable. Please laugh with me, not at me. <laughs> what did you think of the look of the movie? Um, to be to be honest, mm-hmm. okay. So I've watched an awful lot of Alistair Slim films. <laughs> um. <laughs> And I, I don't know, I might get shot for this, but a lot of his films kind of like follow a similar pattern of, of looks. So like this to me didn't look any different than St. Trinian's. And I don't know that movie, so I don't, it's, yeah. But that could just be because that's how British film was made. Mm-hmm. The, is that I, good or I, bad? I, like, do you, is that a good look or a bad I look? Mean, I mean, it, doesn't impact anything to me it doesn't impact anything to to the enjoyability of the film personally mm. but again that could be because i'm british and we've been brought up on these films and um, you might watch it and go oh well i've seen this 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 and this whereas i'm going oh well it just it doesn't mean anything to me um it has a very similar just style of the period now i wouldn't necessarily pick out scenes that looked film noir i think that with british cinema when they classified things as film noir they didn't necessarily classify it as a visual it was story and that's why with some british uh, cinema you get a little bit of up and down film noir entries you get some things that are like mad film noir where you look at it and you go oh my god that looks like a film noir but the story isn't there. And then you'll have other films like this, for example, where the story is a film noir, but it doesn't look like one. <coughs> Interesting. Does that make sense? No. Yeah, no. Everything you're saying makes sense. I just disagree. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's I, look- I mean, to be fair, I need, I need to actually take some time and look at more film noir classified films mm-hmm. because to me, I couldn't necessarily point out the ones that I've watched. I couldn't necessarily point out from a lineup and go, oh, that's film noir to me visually. Yeah. Because I don't necessarily see it, but perhaps because it's a British film, I'm watching it with slightly different blinkers than you would, for example. Blinkers? Yeah. I'm just watching it as a general black and white British film. What? What's what Not is- necessarily a film noir. I need I need my British dictionary. What's blinkers mean? Eyes? Um, like big goggles. <laughs> okay. <laughs> is, that, is that an accurate translation? I, I get yeah. It it changes the look of the film if you're drinking. Oh, <laughs> uh, you know. I mean, I don't know why Alice's name was on the ceiling, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> no, I totally understand what you're saying, and that makes sense because if. If that was a style of films at the time, I mean, that's that's the reason why. I guess, yeah, I guess it would be the same where there's some American films where you would say to me, oh, this is like a pivotal turning point in American cinema. And I go, I can completely see this. Or you could show me another film and go, oh, this doesn't really mean much. And I could say, oh, no, but look at this, look at this, look at this, look at this. Mm hmm. Yeah. And I guess that just depends on when it comes out, if it's a copy or if it's doing something new. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know, you know, if this film was doing anything new, but I did notice a lot of style and look that was along the film noir lines. Um, the way that they used shadows and the pressed blacks, like they used hard lighting 
um, which I appreciate because I found that the style of the lighting in this film is very similar to my own style. Oh, um, so and you I really stole that style, basically. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it's something that I like and I enjoy and I, it's not something you see all the time um, because it's not considered pretty, you know, um, and so the I mean, lighting lot, in this movie. A lot of British film is considered grimy. That's probably the word for it. Yeah, especially at that time. I mean, that's that's the noir sort of like during that time, they didn't they weren't making films that were noir films. They were named that years later. Um, as a reflection back on those films uh, because there were films that were being made that, you know, of how things were going in society at the time and the reflection of people's feelings and, you know, what what's happening in the world. Um, so they had a tendency to be dark and, um, you know, uh, seedy sort of films and, and grimy. And- see, see, I didn't find this seedy. The, the, the main thing, excuse me, which I would cling to as if I was in a debate with somebody and said, oh, no, this is noir. The the main thing that I would cling to would be Alistair Slim's character. <laughs> um, I, I would cling to that as, yeah, there's a murder mystery and yeah, there's this and yeah, there's that and yeah, there's the, the wartime backdrop. But his character, 100%, undeniably, is film noir. Well, I'm going to deny you on that one. <laughs> oh, here we go. Here we go. She says undeniably, and I'm like, I'm denying it. <laughs> I'm denying that. Denying. Yeah, I Have mean, you he's... got credentials to deny that. I mean, just the only, <laughs> the only thing noir about Alistair's character is he wears a fedora. <laughs> he does wear a fedora. In my opinion. Huh? Yeah, I mean, that that's really the only thing. Like, I felt like, like okay, so noir in this film... They have the lighting. They have there's some very noir shots with the use of shadow that they actually use uh, uh, his character's shadow. Like there's one particular shot that reminds me a lot of the third man uh, where it's sort of like a, a hallway. Imagine the tunnel. Right. And you see his shadow shine down as he's walking. And I thought that was perfectly noir filling. Um, it gives you like this foreboding senses overwatching sort of entity which he was and added to the brilliance of some of the scenes in the movie like when he catches uh the two out into the garden and then the fiance is hiding behind the the tree <laughs> i just found that absolutely hilarious <laughs> very well by the way hiding very well he was right <laughs> and he knew right where he was like he's over hiding in this archway they come down and they start talking and he makes himself known and then surprises them and as walking up the path we get another surprise with the fiance who's also stalking them hiding behind the tree it was just it's brilliant and it, it they really i think purposely set tonally set that up with his character using the shadows and having that sort of uh overseer vibe to him um which i loved and that was very noir to me see i i would argue that his character is uh noari because he is ultimately a bit of a tragic character. Yes, because he's wrapped up in comedy. You don't see it. You used my word, by the way. You said Nawari. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> in comedy and, dra- you know, drama, there's a very thin line. His character is kind of wrapped up in despair and, like, the failure of this case is very cocky. He's very arrogant. His arrogance leads to... What's at the end, though? More despair. And that's kind of a bit of a trope of classic film noir, is it? You know, you have a you know cocky detective, or he doesn't see something, or whatever, and it leads to more misery. Well, yes, but he's he's also. <laughs> I would disagree with that again, and the reason why is because he ends this movie reading a letter of his resignation. Right? I did find that funny. It was hilarious. And then he he alludes to the fact that they're probably not going to accept it or he hopes that they don't accept it kind of thing. Please don't fire me. I mean, fire me, but don't fire me. Right. Because he didn't do anything wrong. He's just hard on himself. It's not like he's, you know, in the gutter, so to speak, as to where no, some of our other characters are. No, he's in the bush because went over. <laughs> Right. <laughs> so I kind of disagree with that assessment. I get where you're coming from, though. But I, I do think that there's some other. That's nice of you. 
<laughs> I do think there's some other reasons, though, of some of the noir aspects to it, because we have the femme fatale. Oh, my God, that hysterical nurse. Don't get me started on it. We basically have the scorned husband and the cheater. We've got all of those aspects. We've got the murderer for outside reasons that aren't related. There's so many aspects in here that directly relate to noir films um, in terms of the story and the, and the setup. Um, they're just told in a slightly different way. Um, and that's to me what it, it's, I don't know. I just, I really feel like it was a brilliant mixture of noir mystery and Agatha Christie mystery. I think it was a good way to bring an audience into film noir that potentially wouldn't have been there. The audience that can stand to watch old classic films, because you're not going to find a 20 year old that's willing to watch this and be like, yeah, that was great. I mean, hello, I'm Benjamin Button. I'm going back in time. So technically I'm 20. <laughs> yeah, people, I'm 20. <laughs> so All I'm right. telling people, I mean, technically I'm not old enough to drink in the US, but <laughs> why are you laughing? Uh, because I know that's not true. I mean, it, it, I mean, if I say it's true, then it is true. <laughs> um. <clears throat> What is the age drinking limit in uh, the UK? 18. No shit. Oh, yeah. That's why everyone's a nutbag. Oh, interesting. Yeah, you can get off your box at 18. I'm not sure three years makes a difference, but. You know, I whatever. mean, I don't know. I was a nutbag when I was 18. I was a lot less of a nutbag when I was 21. So I just feel like. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure that you guys might have the better option on that one. To be honest. I don't know. I don't know. Because kids are drinking anyways, even before they're 18. So I don't think that really matters. Yeah, but I mean, I don't know. I, I do think that you guys, the one thing that you guys have right, you shouldn't drink until you're 21. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, if there, if that was really going to matter. I mean, I got married. I got married at 21. So I was a lot more of a, you know, salvageable individual at 21 <laughs> than 18 when I kicked off in the street at random people because he looked at me funny. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know. I, I think that if you're really wanting to make a difference as far as the age goes, it needs to be something like age 30. Because I don't think I don't think people between 18 and 21. That's a, that's I mean, what's that? Three, 18, 19, 20, 20 three, three years. years. Three years. Yeah. You can you can have a lot of life experience in three years. I mean, yes and no, but I don't think your brain is mature till you hit around 30, maybe even 34, yeah, know, 35. If you're, a, if you're a moron, then you're constantly going to be a moron. If you're going to have a bit of growth, that's probably when it's going to happen. Yeah, but if you're a moron and you're drinking, that's only going to make it worse. Exactly. Right? So be it's, a 21-year-old moron instead of an 18-year-old moron. No, be a 35-year-old moron that just has <laughs> his first drink. What I'm I, think the world, <laughs> I think the world would be a better place if that was a thing that could happen. I mean, I'm not... You know, I'm not saying that's even possible. I don't know, because you might you might have a load of like posh bankers that are just wankered at like 30 because they've just discovered alcohol and bought screws. <laughs> no, so that's what I'm saying. At that point in your life, you're more aware of consequences. You're more aware of, you know, how that's going to affect you. I don't know. I know some pretty childish 45 year olds, just saying. Uh, I'm sure. But, you know, you're, you're talking about the exception to the rules sort of thing. You might be one of them, just saying. <laughs> That's <laughs> not it's not entirely inaccurate. <laughs> I'm joking, folks at home. I'm joking. <laughs> She's not. <laughs> She's not wrong. <laughs> um, so I don't know. I, I, but, but that's interesting. I didn't know that 18 was the uh, what's what's the legal. Uh, uh, anyway, that's fine. We'll, we'll just end it with the uh, with the alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Bobbly wise. Bobbly wise. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, okay. So going back to the movie, I do think that it was a uh, a great combination of noir and Agatha Christie. There's no other way to really put it together, and he does remind me a lot of a mixture of Columbo and um, Sherlock. Um, so if you like either of those characters, I would definitely suggest checking this out because mm -hmm. um, it's just yeah, I, I I did not at all expect to enjoy this movie as much as I think, especially with what I thought at the time was a silly ass name. That made no sense to me. And after you watch, it makes perfect sense. And I should have known better. And it makes, you know, that's, yeah. I mean, it was just, it was good. It was well, well thought out, well plotted, well acted. Uh, enjoyed it quite a bit. I 
concur. Yeah. And I'm going to have to check out more of uh, Alistair Slim's uh, work. (laughs) (laughs) I know his name's Alistair Slim, everybody at home. (laughs) Well, I know that too. Don't tar me with Jason's brush. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I guess we're at that time to uh, assign this. uh... Huh? Let's rate it. Let's rate it, yeah. You go first. Again? Yeah. I feel like I go first every time. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I, okay, so I I really like this movie. I, I can't see a reason for me to to knock any gin bottles off of this rating. I, I just don't see one. It's It was fun to me. I enjoyed it. I stayed completely interested. I liked the characters. I liked the actors. Thought the plotting was great. Uh, I loved the lighting and the style. Um, there wasn't anything that I didn't like about it. Um, and I'm going to give it a 10. Oh my God. Yeah. I really wow. enjoyed the movie. I would watch this again. I would, if there was a, if this was out on Blu-ray or something like that, I would, I'd pick up a copy. I think this is, I think this is a great fun, fun film. I am shocked. Yeah. You whipped out a 10. I did. Yeah. I'm, I was, I, I enjoyed it. Really did. My God. My wife didn't so much. She thought it was okay, but she liked uh, (laughs) she liked the next movie we watched better. You might have grown a soul, Morris. (laughs) Me? (laughs) Yeah, I feel like your soul, like you traded, does your soul come back in your body? Maybe. Wow. I don't know. (laughs) I didn't want to. I wanted to give it like a four because it's British. Ah, screw you. (laughs) I'm kidding. (laughs) I also gave it a ten. Did you? Yeah. Nice. How the hell are we agreeing on something? <laughs> yeah, I give it a 10 too because um, Alistair Sim straight away is like a five. Doesn't matter what he's doing. Five. <laughs> and yeah, I I agreed. I didn't really know what to expect. Wasn't too sure if I was going to. And I was, I was a little bit blown away by it. I thought it was fantastic. Nice. Yeah, I, I feel like this was something that was like, how did I not know about yeah. this movie? Because it, it's right up my alley in terms of the style of storytelling, that whole Agatha Christie kind of, you know, and then there was none mm-hmm. kind of, or then there was one, whatever it is. <laughs> oh, <laughs> God. And then there was 10. I mean, then there was a million because <laughs> Jason's writing it. <laughs> <laughs> kind of stories. I, I, I loved the mystery. I loved the not knowing. Uh, yeah, it was just, it was just, just a well-made movie. Enjoyed it quite a bit. Yeah, and and I loved the final act as well, where um, he thought Mr. Eden was going to kill her because I was still unsure whether he was a killer or not. And then he said, like, oh, you know, I could have saved her if you'd let me. And that was just 10, 10 out of 10 for that. That was brilliant. I'm going to, I'm going to, we haven't done confession time in a while. Okay. <clears throat> no, this is a mild okay. one. This is just a stupidity oh, okay. confession. <laughs> I, I just watched this film yesterday. Okay. And this is a good thing to me because I can rewatch it. Okay. I don't remember. I feel like you're backtracking already, but. No, okay. no, 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 no. I don't remember who the killer is. <laughs> oh my god! You gave it a ten, and you don't know who the killer. I can't was. remember, and that's a good thing because I and, really? and wait, wait, and I got a reason. I spent so much time, and this is a good thing, guys. Right? This really is. <laughs> if you can sit here and you can watch a movie, and, and this is like Clue, all right, where you suspect everybody. Everybody's got a motive. Everybody's got a reason. Everybody had opportunity, and you're constantly spending an hour and a half suspecting this person, no, that person, no, that person, no, that person. Right. And then you get to the end. You're like, oh, it was them. <laughs> Except you didn't get to the end and go, oh, it was them. You're still like unsure who it no, was. No, no, I knew who it was at the time. But now, like a day later, I've already forgotten who it was because I had spent so much time suspecting everybody in the movie. Oh, dear. I'm going through like my my catalog of like plot points thinking, well, was it was it that one? I can't remember. Was it that one? I can't remember. Because <laughs> everybody had a reason. So who do you think the murderer Uh It was the heavyset nurse, right? No. No, see? You see, I spent so much time thinking it was her and then switched to somebody else. 
And yeah, so don't even tell me again because I want to enjoy watching it again. <laughs> it's like, come on, seriously. It's like forgetting the end of The Sixth Sense. All right. If you could do that. Nobody can forget. Exactly. That. And if you could, wouldn't that be amazing? I don't know if I want to watch Bruce Willis, you know, like talk for two hours. So maybe. <laughs> come on. You know, the first Just time saying. you know, the first time oh, you saw on, that movie was amazing. Sense, this Sixth Sense is only good because of the last 30 minutes of the film. The rest of the film is crap. No, the rest of the film set that yes. up. If the rest of the film wasn't that no. way, the end wouldn't have been so effective. That's the brilliance of it. And oh. people don't recognize if that movie. No, I don't recognize that at all. You should, though, because if that beginning of that movie wasn't that way, that end would not have been effective. OK, so talk to me about the village. That's a tougher one, but I I, I think. Ah. There we go. What about signs? Well, the village is more of a. Where he played the same routine again and it didn't work out. He struck lucky. No, signs is brilliant. Oh, no. And signs didn't. Oh, it's in the water. Swing. Yeah, but that's a. Swing. <laughs> that's a classic. Swing. <laughs> that's a classic War of the Worlds sort of scenario. Oh, dear. So if you didn't pick up on that early on. I did. I still did not enjoy yeah, it. Yeah, I don't know. Let's fill a glass of water and solve the third world problem of the aliens. <laughs> well, they didn't solve the problem. They only solved their immediate problem. The world. Exactly. The, so the world had already <laughs> taken care of the aliens, which, you know. No. Anyway, I didn't have a problem no. with that at all. And the village village is more of a social commentary. So that one's a little bit different as well. But anyway. Think of your favorite film that had a twist ending. If you could forget what that ending was, wouldn't that be great? That's all I'm saying. Uh, potentially, yes. Eventually. Potentially. What does that mean? <laughs> I'm not looking into anything because you referenced the Sixth Sense. Oh, my God. <laughs> because that's the most well-known <laughs> twist ending that there is. <laughs> oh, my God, it is. <laughs> anyway. M. Knight's brilliant. I think he's brilliant. Although I did like Split. So. I like all of his stuff. I haven't seen Airbender, so I'll stay away from that one because I was never a fan of that shit anyways. But um, I even like Lady in the Lake or Lady in the Water, whatever it was called. And uh, oh, God. I don't I don't have a problem with him. Everybody like, you know, it ruined his career and that sucks. But um, yeah, I think he's I think he fell victim to never being able to top his debut. That's not a victim, though. Everybody has ups and downs. I don't see that as a negative. I see that as Hollywood pushed. No, it's, no I don't. No, look, I look. don't either. But a lot of other people see that as a negative. Oh, it wasn't good as Sixth Sense. No, oh, look, look it's this. no different than a, a brand new band coming out having a hit first album. And then the the uh, whatever you call it, the publisher, the distributor pushing them to make their second album because they want another hit. Now, look, the re and then they fail. And then that second album sucks, right? That happens countless times. And here's the reason why a musician that comes out with a hit album like that, they've been working on that material for 10, 20 years, trying to make it in the industry and not making it. Then they get to a point where they get recognized. They get a record deal and that material they've been working on for 20 fucking years is on their first album and becomes a massive success because they've taken 20 years to perfect it. And then they want a new album in a matter of like six months. It's not going to happen. That album is going to fail. And that's the same thing. Exactly. That's the exactly same thing. No, it's not. He fell victim no. to people wanting him to replicate something that. No, you're talking audience. I'm talking studio. I don't know. I think maybe I feel I, I like him a lot. I really, really like him a lot. But I feel like he bowed to pressure or had pressure. And I think I feel like that's where he got derailed. And that's where people don't resonate with him no definitely I know, if yeah. he'd have been left to his own devices the stuff that he would have created would have been way better than six cents way better miles better see i don't know i think you're so, i think you're way too harsh on six cents i think that was a brilliant i think it was a brilliant movie i don't have a problem with it at all i mean i'm not a huge bruce willis fan like he could have picked anybody else and i would have been happy um you know, that wasn't, especially at that time, I wasn't like, uh, you know, excited Don't about that. Don't forget, though, that my mum ruined the sixth sense within the first 20 minutes. Yeah, and I know. Went, oh, he's dead. Yeah, I remember you saying that. Yeah. Which is 
Awesome. Brilliant, Mum. Thanks. <laughs> that was so great. So I watched the entire Sixth Sense knowing that he was dead. <laughs> well, thinking anyways, not I knowing, mean, but thinking until you get there, you don't I know. I mean, my mum's pretty good with stuff like that. She's like, show me. <laughs> yeah. So if show me tells you that somebody's dead, are you going to go, oh crap, you've ruined it for yeah, me? Yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I go, that, God that damn it, you're my, right. <laughs> yep. That was my Sixth Sense experience. Yeah. Just saying. Well, maybe that's the reason why it's tainted for you and not really anything else to do with it. So quite possible. Be subjective yeah. or be objective or one of those. <laughs> uh, anyway, I just don't. I anyway, I just. Yeah. I'm happy that I can't remember who the killer is because I can watch it again with fresh eyes. again. it'll be fun. It'll be fun for me. Not as fun for you. So there. Ha. Huh. Well, no, I think it will be interesting to watch it again, knowing the killer. That maybe too. I think it's one of those I, where you could get, you know, you could get a couple of. Sure. Views and still see something new. Yeah, definitely, definitely. But I'll have opportunity to do that. I'll also have the opportunity of not knowing who the killer is. You won't have that, so ha. Huh? All right. <laughs> Rub it in my face, then. All right. <laughs> All right. There we go, guys. You got two ten. You got twenty gin bottles for this movie. That's a lot. That's a lot of alcoholic. Uh... Lucky devils. <laughs> That's alcoholism right there. <laughs> that's what that's what green for danger has done for us. Put us in danger of our life here. <clears throat> yeah. Danger coma. Yes. Um, which I think that's that's a resounding go watch this film. Right. Carly and I don't fully agree most of the time. I'm not even sure we fully agreed on this, but we came to the same conclusion that it's a great film and it's worth your time. Uh, so go check it out and make sure you make it dark and stormy while you're watching the film. And uh, yeah. Oh, don't forget to give us a, give us a call. Leave us a message. Uh, check us out on Facebook and all those other. What else are we on? We have a website. Uh, resurrectionfilms.net. Um, you can check us out on Facebook. Uh, Speakeasy Norcast. Uh, we're on Anchor. We have a competition. Oh, we do have a competition. Right. Why haven't we talked about that? We're giving away. Because you suck. I suck. Yes. That's the reason why we haven't mentioned the competition. Damn me. <laughs> 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 we are giving away a Fire Tablet, an Amazon Fire Tablet. All right. This is one of many. We've given away a lot of stuff. We've given away a Fire Stick. We've given away artwork we've given away movies we've given away a ton of stuff and we're going to continue to giving away stuff to our fans and people that listen to what we're doing and support us in any way possible um because without you we don't mean anything all right so check that out go to our facebook page speakeasy norcast uh or i don't know is it on twitter too carly are you posting on twitter is it just facebook yep. okay so it's on twitter as well uh, what's our handle on Twitter, Carly? Uh, Speakeasy Noir or Inside Room 19. Okay. So at Speakeasy Noir or at Inside Room 19, you can find the contest on, on our pages there. Um, and I think it's pretty simple. All you got to do is like our Twitter account or like our Facebook account and share the post. Um, and you'll get an entry in to win a tablet and stick with us because we're trying to pump out as much content as we can. We're just trying to be creative and have fun and um, you know, give some stuff away to the people who support us. So check us out, like our pages, uh, stick with us till, uh, you know, the seat, the end of the season's coming up soon. We only have like, what do we have? Like three more episodes. Yes. It's very exciting. Well, what's yes. double episodes of technically two. Technically two. That's true. Yeah. Maybe we'll split it up. Cause I don't know. Do you think, uh, the last one, two hours was pretty long. Uh, I don't people like I don't that. Know. I don't know either. Well, I don't know. We'll see. Maybe there's three. Maybe there's only two episodes left. We'll see. We're getting to the end. That's for sure. The light at the end of the tunnel is near. The light is dimming or. <laughs> I mean, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Our lights are already dim. I think. <laughs> maybe the bulb's gone. Who knows? <laughs> um, yeah. So we're getting we're getting to the end of there and then we're going to have a little bit of a hiatus and we're going to uh, start working on season two. Um, probably some film projects we've got some comic books that are coming up we got a new book coming out actually a couple new books coming out um all kinds of new content so you know check out our store we got a patreon patreon whatever it is uh we, you know we're trying to get out there as much as we can across the platform so there's plenty of different ways that you can support us and check out what we're doing and contribute and you know, tell us that we're amazing or that we suck or tell us what you want to see us do next, that kind of thing. So 
Or let us know how we can annoy other people. Yeah, we love annoying people. So I love annoying people. Yeah. How can we annoy new people? We need more yeah, new people. Let us know. Bring your friends. Tell your family. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, so until next week, we hope you uh, you you enjoy the rest of your week and uh, go watch Green for Danger. Bye bye. He's looking at you, kid. This week on the Speakeasy Noir Cast. Make sure to visit our website, resurrectionfilms.net, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or any of your favorite podcast apps so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in the show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes, or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. If you like the show, you might want to check out our book, The Dark Side of Acting Up, available now on Amazon, or you can check out one of our films available on Amazon Prime. We were trying to serve this larger story as we were careening toward the actual millennium. It was bizarre that it didn't get to the actual millennium, but we felt we had to deliver some kind of order, at least avoiding breakdown and chaos. End times, like let's examine that. What is that? What is the human race at the end of its time? Who are we? Those questions don't go out of style. We've been asking them since Greek tragedies first started. We were dealing with human monsters on, on millennium. It was scary, but for the, all the best possible reasons. Frank is a real hero he's trying to protect all of us from the darkness that he sees inside of himself. And that paradox and that dichotomy that I think makes the character interesting. There was an integrity in Millennium, and now 20 years later we're seeing all the more reason to have integrity. I want to see Frank in our, in our political landscape and how he would be dealing with all the crazy right now. I think Chris has the ability, like Rod Serling, to tap into these deep questions that we all have. I just thought it would be interesting to do a, a tortured FBI agent who saw evil. Chris trying to come up with the darkest, scariest thing that he's really afraid of in real life. And I think we all are. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3. I see what the killer see. Millennium really had something powerful to say about the world we live in. Millennium After the Millennium is available now at thetimeisnowmm.com. This is who we are.